eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So if Dan Quinn called me and asked me advice, he's like, hey, I, I haven't heard of you, but you seem to have talked to a lot of people that I know. Uh, why don't why don't you give me some advice? I'd be like, well, this is weird because <laughs> this is hi Dan, nice to meet you. But no, I, I think that one of the things that KJ told me yesterday in a different part of the interview that I would tell him is you got to be involved in the defense. Mm-hmm. Like Dan Quinn is too good of a defensive mind to be a CEO head coach. And I thought KJ was really interesting. And he said, I would tell because I asked KJ that question. I was like, I don't know if you were one of the calls, but like if you were slash you know, if he were to call you, what would you tell him? And his first thing was, you got to call the place. He's like, you are too. And th- this is a guy that I really value that from because he played on the side of the ball with Dan Quinn as a play caller. Like right. that's an experience for all your experience with Dan. Like you didn't have that um, right. where KJ was was in those situations on the field with, with DQ sending in the plays. And he was... KJ was like, we were always in a good one. Like we always yeah. had the answer. And obviously in Seattle, it was a lot easier because often the answer was cover three, go do your thing. But he dialed up the blitzes and changed it up just that little bit that he did in Seattle, always seemingly at the right time. And that feel for that, which he's continued to show in Dallas, who was fifth in total defense last year and has been very good his entire time there. 
um, is really valuable. And, and KJ pointed to D'Amico Ryans and what he's done in Houston and setting it up that way, that we think of the play calling thing with Kyle and, and Kevin and Sean and, and Mike and uh, other Mike, Miami Mike and Green Bay yeah. Mike, uh, or Matt <laughs> yeah, in, in yeah. Green Bay and Mike and, uh, which by the way, Mike LaFleur, uh, Matt's brother, who is actually named Mike, and now that I've confused the hell out of everyone, uh, is, is a potential OC candidate. We'll get some more coaching candidates um, in a second. But um, all those guys are play callers, and we think of that as an offensive thing. Like, oh, if the offensive head coach gets the job, he's got to find a way to maintain play calling responsibilities. And, well, if they do it on defense, it's going to be Brandon Staley. And it's like, it doesn't have to be. You know, right. it can be it can be D'Amico Ryans. And yeah. KJ was adamant that Dan should keep that play calling role. Now, I do wonder um, if... You know, it was reported yesterday. Uh, I've still only seen this uh, from Aaron Wilson, who's been covering the NFL forever, and I, I don't doubt it. But um, Aaron Wilson was reporting that Joe Witt Jr., who was thought by many to be the defensive coordinator in waiting in Dallas if DQ left, is actually going to come here and be the defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. It certainly seems like he's going to be bringing someone, if not multiple someones with him from Dallas, who might know him and his play calling tendencies very well and can execute that at a very high level. But I, I kind of hope that he does. I hope that Dan sets this up in a way where, yeah, he's the head coach and he's got CEO responsibilities, but that he's involved in the defensive side of the ball because I, I do think often coordinators who are great, and Dan Quinn is one of the best defensive coordinators in the last 15 years of the NFL. I mean, the two years in Seattle are like the two years of resume that any DC can offer that are better than what Mike McDonald just did in Baltimore. Like right. they were one in yards, one in points, back-to-back -back years in Seattle. Um, I think when you, when you take away that from your organization, because you're busy doing other stuff, you're taking away one of your biggest strengths. So I hope that he is involved on the defensive side of the ball in a major way, TBD, but I don't know. I, I feel, I don't want to say like really strongly about that, but I, I feel like that would be a positive. No, I do think so too. And I think when you look back to the game that the commanders had against, or both games that the commanders had against Dallas this year, like he does have an excellent feel for like how to call games and how to get them in the right call. And there's times where it's almost, at least in the first, uh, first Washington game, uh, that like, I felt like he almost knew, he almost knew the call. Like he obviously he didn't, but like, you kind of felt like he just had that kind of anticipatory feel for the game, which is always really cool to see. And I, again, I do think that that speaks to his talent. And you mentioned Brandon Staley there. And one of the things about Brandon Staley that I've heard from multiple people is that Brandon Staley took the job when he was relatively young and he hadn't cultivated this tree or this infrastructure of, of coaching relationships. And Dan does not have that issue. Dan knows right. everybody in the NFL. Like Dan has a very strong connection to the Kyle Shanahan tree. So if Kyle has somebody that he feels is dynamic as a play caller or has an opportunity to be something, he's got that relationship. He's got that stuff in Dallas. He's got the stuff from Atlanta. He's got the stuff from Seattle. And so I think like there's, a, I have a higher confidence level that you're going to get a better staff. And then with that better staff, like you said, you know, he can bring in pieces to support himself. And I think people forget that like Kyle, when he's in, when he was in um, San Francisco, had Mike McDaniel, who was not the OC, but did a lot of the day-to-day -day grunt work that so Kyle could A, be the head coach, but also be still be the OC and still call plays. Yeah, and, so, and by the way, uh, just to use a non-Kyle example, because we talk about Kyle all the time, like right. um, in, in uh, Cincinnati, Zach Taylor's the play caller. Brian Callahan did a lot of the day-to-day -day OC stuff, and he did it well enough that he just got hired as Tennessee's head coach. 
Absolutely. And I think Sean McVay, when he was here with Jay, like Jay was the OC, but totally. Sean did all that stuff. Uh, O'Connell, like Wes Phillips does all the kind of grunt work there. So there's a, there's a precedent for having someone that you're very familiar with, right? That you can come in and I'm sure that you're going to give a long leash to, but I also think that, um, you know, you can still be involved with and because, because again, Sean did the whole game plan. Like he did everything. Uh, Mike McDaniel did the whole game plan and Kyle and Jay were smart enough to kind of just oversee tangentially and feel comfortable enough, comfortable enough to call the game. So maybe you get a relationship like that here um, between Dan and the guy from from Dallas. So so we'll see. But I do think that there are precedents for making sure again, and it goes back to the staff, man, like both of those guys and these all of the guys we just referenced, you know, Wes Phillips, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel are incredibly smart people. And they're incredibly innovative. And they, because of their intelligence and innovation, deleverage that play caller in a nice way. So if, again, it comes down to making sure on this staff, you've surrounded yourself with dynamic people, young people, ambitious people. Because, I mean, everyone kind of cites that, what was that, 2013 staff? Yeah. Like, that was a big characteristic of that. It was hyper-competitive and they all wanted to get better. I think as long as you can get a, a semblance of that here with this staff, you know, the competitiveness, the drive, the the hunger to be better, I think you're going to be at a pretty good spot. And ultimately, like, that's what we, we've talked about this at nauseum. But I think people sleep on how important this part is. You know, GM's big, head coach is big. This is these are the these are the troops on the ground, man. These are the guys that are getting your message across, keeping that cultural message uh, intact. So I think it's going to be in, in, imperative, quite frankly. Yeah, no, and and just to be clear, like that, we haven't really talked about the process yet, um, but we should, and we'll get there in a second. But I think that people like made this out with Quinn like it was some outsized, extraordinary thing. They hired Mike McDaniel. They hired Ben Johnson, right? Yeah. The staff would have been insanely important because it's insanely important for everyone. I mean, right. I think Kyle Shanahan is the best uh, head coach in football. Um, you know, Andy Reid right there. Their staffs are really, really important. If Andy Reid doesn't have Steve Spagnola, they're not in the Super Bowl. Correct. Like if Kyle Shanahan doesn't have Mike McDaniel and Brian Greasy and, you know, Clint Kubiak, who we'll talk about in a moment, like if he doesn't have that that buttressing to allow him to be great at the thing that he does and to fill in the holes uh, on the rest of the, the staff, then it's not going to work. And I think that was a huge failing of the last four years. We've talked about yeah. that a lot where they didn't have the staffing in place, whether it was the right people or, or the best people for the job. And, and we've seen the results of that. So it's critically important for Dan Quinn. And, you know, it's especially important on the offensive side of the ball. If you have the number two pick and that guy's a quarterback and all that stuff, which is why I do think like if all other things are equal, you want to lean towards an offensive coach. But at the end of the day, the staff is important no matter what, because like you said, I love that that phrasing of it. These are the boots on the ground. And so it's going to be really important to see who he hires. And, and he's got a hell of a Rolodex. To pull from, which brings us to uh, some of the early rumblings and reportings, uh, Logan, as, as we are recording this at, this is always fun to timestamp a podcast, but 8.42 currently in the morning on Friday. Uh, some reports early after the hire that Clint Kubiak is going to be considered for the offensive coordinator spot. Yet another guy off of that Shanahan tree. Uh, he is currently the pass game coordinator out in San Francisco. A lot of folks speculating that Brian Greasy, the quarterback's coach out in San Francisco, could be a potential OC candidate as well. 
And then there were some rumblings last night that Chip Kelly could be in the mix as well. The UCLA head coach looking potentially to get back into the NFL, uh, obviously was with the 49ers, uh, was with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and had some really good years. I think Chip's reputation in the NFL is probably not uh, it's not as bad as some people remember it because there were obviously some leaner years as well. And he got blown out very quickly in San Francisco. But um, what do you make uh, of any of these guys? I don't know how much experience you have. You obviously watch UCLA a ton uh, as yeah. your alma mater. Um, but any early thoughts on, on these names or, or the tree that they are falling from? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the Clint Kubiak one is interesting because, you know, Kubiak is, uh, you know, he, his father is very successful in his own right, and Kyle has a relationship with his dad when he was in Houston. Um, but that was the position that Bobby Sloak was in last year, the, the past game coordinator, right? So, obviously, there's a recent history and a recent precedent of, of a very talented guy coming out of that position. And that guy is going to be, again, kind of fall in that pseudo-offensive coordinator category for Kyle. And if they're working closely with Kyle – Kyle is going to be extremely, extremely uh, taxing towards them in terms of what he's demanding. So I think um, after being in that position for a year, I think he's probably, I don't know if he's ready, but I'm sure he knows a lot of football. And I'm sure he's, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know if he's ready, but I, again, that, that football acumen is probably there. The one that I think is really interesting is Brian Greasy, because just every report coming out of there is like his, his, his development and his relationship with Brock Purdy has been so important in terms of Brock Purdy's development. Now, can he call plays? Can he get everything? Can he organize an offense? I'd like to think so, but I think that one, because of the experience, because, you know, he's not long in the tooth, but he's a former player. He's been around football for a long time. He's coached at different levels. There's something about that that feels better to me. But again, he might not be ready either. And those are things that, and I, and that's the other thing is I think a lot of these guys, aren't ready when it starts, but they get ready as it comes. You know, like I think about right. Kyle when he became the, I got to see Kyle when he became the OC in Washington and I got to see Kyle his first year head coaching. And he was, was he fully ready for those positions? No, but he kind of learned on the job and got better as he went and improved and and developed into, into the guy he is today. And then Chip Kelly to me is interesting too, I think. And I, at first I really, I, bar, I balked hard at that because I was thinking back Same. to, you know, what he was with the 49ers, what he was in Philly. And in Philly, it was such a unique situation because they had this uber-talented offensive roster. And it worked because you had Michael Vick, you had Deshaun Jackson, you had Macklin, and you had all this team speed, you know, Shady McCoy. And you could basically do whatever you wanted in that up-tempo offense. And it wasn't like they were doing anything complicated. They just kind of out, out-athleted you and out-revved you in terms of reps per game. But I think now when you watch UCLA – I've seen a, a maturation from that. And I had to kind of think about it when you asked me about it this morning is an, a, a really nice evolution in terms of the RPO stuff that they're doing. So it really felt a lot more similar to, obviously there's still shades of what he was doing in Philadelphia, but there was a, a very strong similarity to what Philly does with their quarterbacks. And this is not Philly last year. This is Philly 
two years ago, right? Where they're doing, it's a really heavy RPO system where they kind of ensure easy throws for the quarterback. That kind of becomes an extension of your, it's a run game, quick game kind of hybrid. And I thought, man, with a young quarterback like Jaden Daniels or even Drake May, a guy that can move around a little bit, that probably deleverages them quite a bit, at least for a year or two. So again, I don't know if that's the direction you want to go, but I feel I still got to watch more UCLA film, like all 22 stuff to kind of give you a definitive answer here about how I feel about that. But I thinking about that wrinkle that has developed over the last 10 years of him being uh, in college and in coaching, I think to me, because the how prolific that was for Philly, I'm like, man, that would be a really nice feature for a young quarterback coming to the NFL. Yeah, it would be really interesting. Um, I was just looking back real quick at some stats. I mean, the first two years in Philly, Chip went 10 and 6. Yeah, he was, um, and by the way, he had never been in the league before. Yeah. So he's got some NFL experience now. And the NFL game, frankly, looks a lot more like the college game offensively these days, yeah. uh, more than it ever has. Um, and that San Francisco team that went 2-14 and 14 is one year in San Francisco. Like, Jeremy Curley was a leading receiver. That yeah. was a very, very not talented, uh, <laughs> ultimately, by NFL standards, roster. Um, so it, it, it was a situation uh, that was that was suboptimal, to say the least. And so I, I do think I'm I'm more intrigued by Chip than I was like the violent hell no that I had when that report yeah. first came out last night. I still would much prefer I think a Clint Kubiak, someone off that Shanahan tree where there is just like I you know it, it is a bit of a champagne problem, right? If this if Clint Kubiak is the guy and he has an awesome year with Jaden Daniels and they can convince him to stay for one year, but it's a Bobby Sloak situation. And we have to think that Sloak's going to be one of the favorites for jobs around the NFL next year. Uh, and that happens to Clint Kubiak. Like it's easier to find someone else off of that tree. And I also really, you know, you mentioned something early in that answer that I always think about with, with the Shanahan and McVay trees, which is because those guys are so thorough, you know, there's a certain work ethic and kind of a, it's like a filter. Like if yeah. you've made it to the top levels of that tree, you are very good. Yes. Full stop point. Like that's why there's, there's not a lot of misses off that tree. And just because like you, you get vetted by the process. If you're yeah. good, you will rise because the people above you are going to get poached and there's going to be opportunities. And if you're not good enough, you're not going to get promoted because you're not going to pass the test. You're not going to have the answers that Kyle and Sean are looking for within the framework that you're existing before you can get the next job. You're never going to get to that level. And so I think that that tree is so intriguing to me in that way. And Clint's a lot like Kyle um, in that he, his dad was an NFL head coach, grew up around it. Like Mike and Gary worked together forever. Um, you know, and, and so he's grown up on the same system and the same, everything that Kyle has just a few years younger and a few years behind him. Not that he's necessarily the next guy, but I, I do think that there's a lot of, a lot to like there, even if he is young, but you know, if you're coming into a fairly young roster and, and a young quarterback, that age difference becomes, I think a little less dramatic, uh, because like, you know, if you're 22 years old coming out of college, a 36 year old feels ancient. So um, that is that is something to consider as well. Um, and that that pass game coordinator role, like you said, has been kind of an incubator uh, for McDaniel, for Slowick, for now Clint Kubiak uh, moving forward. Um, 
there, there is a couple more names that we've talked about over the last month and a half that I'm kind of surprised aren't coming up more. One you just mentioned, Wes Phillips, who was the tight ends coach here for a long time. He's been with Kevin. I'm surprised his name doesn't come up for OC or head coaching stuff more often, yeah. frankly. And then the other one that I think is interesting is is Frank Smith, your former yeah. uh, tight ends coach, who's the OC in Miami. We thought he could be a head coach candidate multiple places, including here. And his name's not come up. I, I just think that's interesting. Maybe it's another year for him, um, you know, under McDaniel down there in Miami. Um, Eric Studesville is a name that comes up, uh, as is Daryl Bevel, two guys that are on Mike's staff down in Miami. So those those are some of the names that are uh, that are popping up on the OC side of it. And then on the, the defensive side, it does seem like uh, Dan's got his eyes on multiple guys from Dallas. Uh, Joe Witt Jr., who, who we mentioned earlier, is the potential D.C., um, uh, they got their defensive line coach whose name I'm blanking on, but then Al Harris as well, former uh, great defensive back in the NFL, who's done tremendous jobs with Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland down there in Dallas. Uh, and, and, you know, that's super intriguing to me because, hey, come do that with Emmanuel Forbes, please. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, again, and hopefully they get some of these talented pieces in here, but it's also got to fit. There's got to be good chemistry on the staff, and you all got to kind of be going in the same direction because I think you look at – Carolina last year, and I thought they had some really talented coaches on the roster, but middle of the season, everyone gets fired because they're not kind of seeing things the way <clears throat> they're not seeing things cohesively. So, um, again, hopefully they, this is, I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is to me, maybe the most important part of this whole process. Obviously you got to get the GM, you got to get that coach, but these next couple, couple days, couple weeks of how they fill this staff out is going to be incredibly important, like incredibly important. So, um, whoever they decide, you know, and again, this is one of those things about coaches that's really hard is because you don't get to interact. The media just in general doesn't get to interact with them that much. You don't know them the same way unless you get a guy who's worked in the same building or whatever. So all this is kind of speculative, but again, really, really um, critical part of the process, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And it's worth mentioning that uh, for Clint Kubiak and Brian Greasy specifically, those guys cannot be interviewed till after the Super Bowl. So if all of a sudden nothing is happening in the next couple of days, uh, you can bet your bottom dollar that they are waiting to interview those guys. Now there are relationships there, so you know it could they could back channel it through an agent and kind of know um, that that's that's going to happen, but they can't formally interview those guys until the Super Bowl is done. So uh, you got another eight days at least. If that's the role, obviously a guy like Chip Kelly could happen immediately. Uh, so we'll see what happens there.